Can I get you some shoes? I'm just looking. Well, how about some duct tape? <laughs> He's just hungry. Well, I'm hungry, too. You don't see me crying. <laughs> At least not on the outside. Is it okay if I feed him? <laughs> sure, go ahead. I'm just kidding. While you're at it, throw a little something on for me. <laughs> ah! oh, what in Sam Hill are you doing? I'm breastfeeding. Well, why? Because he can't cook. Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a open? No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. Welcome back to the Married with Children podcast. This is Luigi. And you can find me cruising around the podcasting world in my luxury Geo Metro with the Poor Boy Vanity Plates. If you're curious where to find it, it's parked on Executive Level Z. And this is Chris. And I just gotta say, size five. Why can't women ever admit to being anything over a size five? That's the great thing about men. We don't lie about size. Of course, I don't have to. And this is Alyssa coming at you live from Club Gooey. Welcome back, everyone. Today we are reviewing Business Sucks, Season 9, Episode 5, original air date, October 2nd, 1994. Director Jerry Cohen, writers Richard Gurman. When Al banishes a nursing mother for breastfeeding her baby in the shoe store, Marcy and Fang hold a protest against Gary's shoe store in order to have him lift the ban. Special guest stars. Harold Sylvester as Griff, Teresa Parente as Miranda Veracruz de la Joya Cardinal, Jack Riley as Wendell, Jean Spiegel Howard as Sylvia, Cynthia Steele as Rebecca, Terry J. Vaughn as Connie, Gretchen Palmer as Lucille, Annie O'Donnell as Eartha, E.E. E. Bell as Bob Rooney, David John Poindexter as Poindexter, Dot Marie Jones as Dot, Rachel Winfrey as Sadie, and Joe Costanza as Butcher. Sunday, shoe man Al Bundy tackles his toughest customer ever. <laughs> Married with children. Then, George Carlin did some crazy things in the 60s. Now, one of them has come back to haunt him. I'm your son. You can't be my son. How old are you? 25. Well, I'm 31. It's biologically impossible. The George Carlin Show. You've got underwear that's 31 years old. After Married with Children, Sunday night at 8 on Fox 29. All right, so welcome back, everyone. Really happy to have Chris and Alyssa back with us. Alyssa, how have you been? Pretty good. It's been uh, a, a while since uh, we've heard from you, so... Yeah, not, yeah, it's been a while, a couple months. Yeah, you know, and I heard you've gotten into podcasting. I was just wondering if uh, this uh, podcast inspired you for that. Yes. Well, I'm on some other podcast. I've been on some other podcasts, too. I, I just decided, hey, you know, I, I need a hobby. <laughs> so I just started my own podcast. 
That's great. So you want to tell us a little bit about your podcast? Yeah. So my podcast is called When TV Was Great. And it's basically like I do one-on episodes. There's what they call one-off episodes. So I just kind of pick a, one of my favorite episodes. It could be anything from I Love Lucy to The Sopranos to, you know, anything, anything out there. And then I'll just talk about that, review it. And then the next week, it'll be a totally different episode, totally different show. Okay, awesome. All right, so we're definitely going to check that out. And we encourage all of our fans on the Married with Children podcast to go check that out. Feel free to uh, post the link on our page, uh, Alyssa. Sure, absolutely. So, Chris, uh, how, how have you been enjoying Season 9 so far? I've really been enjoying it. Uh, I, I feel like this first handful of episodes in Season 9 is sort of a, a, a transitional stretch in the series. Uh, we get introduced to a lot of characters that we all know and love, you know, namely uh, Griff, Amber, Miranda, Gary, and, and then a lot of characters that, you know, we've seen before, such as Bob Rooney and, and Ike and, and some of the No Man characters and, and even Officer Dan, you know, of course we've seen Officer Dan, uh, you know, I, I think as far back as season six, I believe. Maybe even before that. Uh, it was a Weenie Tots episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Season five. <laughs> yeah. A lot, of these episodes, a lot of these characters that we all know and love get introduced to us and, and really come into prominence. So it's kind of exciting. One of the things that I've always felt, I kind of I divide Married to Children into acts, and I define act three as being uh, seasons nine through 11. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people point out that, you know, Seasons nine through eleven might have the, the you know the weakest writing and the weakest storyline, but in my opinion, and, and I, I do happen to agree with that, but in my opinion, I would counter with that that I think it actually has the strongest characters of the whole run of the series. Uh, a, a lot of the characters, you know, the no man characters, you know, Miranda, Amber, Gary, Griff, all these characters are introduced in, in this uh, third act of the series, so. To me, that's what's really exciting, and, and we're going to need a couple of them in this very episode. We, we meet Miranda for the first time, you know? <laughs> yeah. So. I thought that was the first episode, yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> yeah, and you know, you're absolutely right, Chris. You know, the way um, sort of like my view of Married with Children's always been, you're absolutely right. This is the third act. A lot of people who are fans, I mean, they're fans of the third act characters. Like, I'm a fan of the first act writing, uh, but the third act characters are the most memorable of all. And that's usually what it is. It's the no man. It's, you know, Gary. It's, you know, all of those uh, Looney Tunes, Warner Brothers type action uh, that people really <laughs> like. And that's what we see. And this is a very foundational episode. I mean, this is episode five of season nine. And, you know, for those of you who've been listening from episode one of season nine through now, the Married with Children production staff has established this new world for us. And this is what's going to take us through the end of season 11. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, so, Alyssa, do you have any reflections on that? I've always liked the newer, I'm sorry, the older episodes better, but there are some really good ones, seasons 9 through 11. I don't think that it's all bad. I mean, like, again, from my perspective, I always looked at it from a writing I really enjoy the writing from the early seasons up to through season five. And there's always going to be gems. Although, you know, we had a discussion about shark jumping for the end of season eight. And Mm. I think the consensus is that it really didn't jump the shark. But Chris, you had a great comment that Annabelle had made at one point where she said, you know, it's really about running out of gas. Yeah, there's a couple of things that, 
that go along with that. You know, and, and I've always said that I think uh, the show was in its prime, seasons three through five, with five being my personal favorite. Personal. But, however, I think that season six and seven are still really, really good. You know, and I think Alex and his team uh, did a great job of dispelling the, the myth that the show jumped the shark in season six or jumped the shark in season seven. I think it's still really good in six and seven. And then eight and nine, I think it, it's still really, really strong, you know, because of all of these new characters that we get introduced to. And, but I think season 10 and 11 is really where you start to see it, 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 particularly in season 11, you just start to see it run out of gas. And that's not a knock on Mary the Children. I think if you were to take any show, by the time you get to the 10th, 11th season, it's just not going to be as fresh as it was in season one. I mean, that's just human nature, you know? Yeah, you know, and the other thing I'll say is, like, you know, once you get into season nine, I saw a little bit of this uh, in this episode, that like you sort of see the jokes coming. Yep. Watching the show in its first run, and all three of us did watch it in its first run. Mm-hmm. Watching the early seasons... You were blindsided by a lot of those jokes. Like, you know, you didn't necessarily see it. Like, like for example, I'll give you the example of Impident, right? In the Impident episode, like, at least for myself, and again, I was watching it as like a nine-year-old, I guess, so it was that season three. <laughs> like, I, I didn't see the joke at the end where, you know, Al gave Steve the scam, you know, set up the scam for him as to how he was going to make Marcy servile, Right. I mean, you could even hear the audience like when they're screaming at the end because it was something that was unexpected, right? And you have a lot of that. I think as you get into season nine, I mean, you sort of see the setup coming a lot sooner. So there's a lot more antics and a lot more, uh, they rely more on the Warner Brothers type thing. Tyler's talked about that, you know? (laughs) It's like now it becomes a cartoon. It's true. Like the episode where they, uh, what are they, building an antenna on the roof? Right, yes. is, is that what they're doing? Yeah, that one's very Looney Tooney. <laughs> uh, we still haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> yeah, that might be the Looney Tooney's one in the whole series, because, I mean, they, they literally fall off the house like five times each. <laughs> you know, and one of my favorite things, and we, we get to see it in this episode, but I love seeing the dummies. When I mean, the dummies fall off the roof or get thrown around the room or wherever. <laughs> yeah. so funny. You know? There was a dummy in this episode, too, that I laughed at. <laughs> All right, so let's get underway. So in the opening scene, Al is in a football helmet, and we see a close-up of his face. So we think that he's back on the field, but he's not. All right, Bundy, we've gone right, we've gone left. I'm going to have to send you right up the middle. Can you do it? I think so, Coach. <laughs> Give me the shoe. <laughs> for the shoes, 130 for labor. All I've got is 20. Deal. <laughs> uh, I, thought it was, I thought that line was great, the opening line. She says, well, how much? Is it 30? Griff says, 30 bucks for the shoes, 130 for the labor. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, that was how... 
But you know, uh, but the the setup that Griff has after that is is hysterical. Oh, by the way, can we interest you in our extended warranty? It's fifty bucks extra, but if you get stuck somewhere and can't get them off, we'll tow your big ass back here for free. <laughs> Now, what I thought was funny about that line is that I don't think like Al, I don't think like that was a line that that Al would have said, but, you know, Griff gets away with it. Yeah, I I can see Al saying that. (laughs) Now, I want to actually mention something historic about this scene. So this is actually the first time that Al and Griff are together on screen. We saw Griff last week on the Amber episode, but he was just talking to Bud. Like, we're introduced to him, but he never really interacted with Al. So this is the first time that Al and Griff interact with each other on screen. Oh. And they have a great dynamic in chemistry right from the start. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, uh, Chris, you remember back in season eight, we talked about the cast of characters of, you know, Al's helpers in the shoe store. We talked about Aaron and Dexter. So do we want to remind our audience about that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think you, uh, I think you called Dexter your, your one-hit wonder, and I, I think that's correct. Uh, Dexter was great. Uh, it's a shame he didn't stick around for more than one episode, but he was very good. Uh, and I think you hit the nail on the head in your description of Aaron. I think he was very good. Bill Harper, I believe it is. He's a good actor. He's an accomplished actor. I think that... that the ultimate reason why they didn't go with him long term is because he was just too young. Aaron was roughly 18, 19 years old. Well, he was, I guess we would assume 18 in the first episode because he was in high school, playing high school football, whereas Al is in his mid-40s, so it wouldn't make sense for them to be best friends, you know. But Griff is perfect. And, and by the way, I have to say, of all of the support characters in the uh, entire series, I think Griff is, comes out at number one. <laughs> he, I think he, uh, he is just amazing. Harold Sylvester is his name. And they picked the right guy for this part. He is just brilliant. He owns it. Uh, he's middle-aged, just like Al. He's, he's divorced. So, you know, he's got that going for him. And I think he's a perfect dynamic for Al there at the store. And, he's my, and Griff is my favorite support character in the whole series. And uh, we also get introduced to my, my second favorite support character in the series, Amber, in this season. So that's kind of exciting, too. But, yeah, I love Griff. I'm a Griff guy. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> Alyssa, what, what's, uh, what, what are your thoughts? Griff, my, one of my favorite scenes, I don't know what season and I don't know what episode, but he's, <laughs> he, he's there's a mugshot of him. And it's like, was he like a cannibal or something? They- yes, that's right. That was so funny. That's like the the most memorable Griff scene I can remember. Yeah, you know, like I th- I think with the character of Griff, I mean, there were a couple of elements that were added to this. I mean, you have like now a a main supporting character who's black, so uh, Griff does a lot of black jokes. Yeah, uh, and and you know what I had said in season eight, he was also divorced. So you know, Dexter was my one hit wonder. I love Chai McBride in season eight. That was the Burn Beyond Recognition episode. But, you know, having Dex- the character of Dexter, who is also married, and he was married to a large woman, I really didn't think would give a lot of comedy. You know, there's not a lot of comic foil to that. But the fact that now you have Griff, who is a divorced person, 
on a show called Married with Children, dealing with Al who is married with children. Like that sort of sets up for more comedy. Yeah. Because a lot of his jokes will be, you know, sort of from the perspective of a divorced person. So this is very exciting. So now Al and Griff are sitting down and they are talking about dick sizes. <laughs> That's the insinuation on there. Oh, yeah. And that, that joke would have gone way over my head back then, too. <laughs> size five. Why can't women ever admit to being anything over a size five? Yeah, that's the great thing about men. We don't lie about size. <laughs> of course, I don't have to. <laughs> neither do I. Well, neither do I. <laughs> Contest? <laughs> Let's rock. show you something it better be shoes uh, I mean I think the, the the fact that you know they take out the uh, the, the sh it's not really a shoehorn what, what do you call that thing the thing that measures the shoes the, the foot it's a it's a shoe sizer right is that what it's called sizer yeah. I thought that was pretty funny I don't know I think that's what it's called <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, you know, the girl comes in and Al says, may I show you something? And she says, it better be shoes. That was so funny. <laughs> uh, I got this one. Uh, uh, my shoe store. It's Gary's shoe store. And Gary begat me and I begat you, so you begat away from me. That actually comes from the Bible. Yeah. So uh, from the Bible, King James Version, you would have Abraham begat Isaac, Isaac begat Jacob, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, they went biblical. There's actually another biblical reference a little later on uh, we'll talk about. So now Peg calls on the phone. <laughs> and he knows it's her. Of course. Hello, Peg. Good news. Mom's feeling better and she can finally get around on her own. So can a planet, Peg. What's that to me? I'm coming home tomorrow night. So I expect you to pick me up at the train station. All right, all right. Now my train arrives at 8 p.m. on... <laughs> now, Peg has been on the phone the entire uh, season so far. So Katie Seagal had a baby. Yeah between season eight and nine. Now, my understanding was she gave birth to her daughter, uh, I think it was in June uh, of 1994. So she was still on maternity leave because these episodes would have been produced, well, they would have been shot in August of 94 and then aired in you know September, October. So I'm assuming like the first month, month and a half, like she was technically not working. Yeah, she didn't look pregnant. Yeah, post-pregnant, right? They weren't trying to cover her belly up or anything. <laughs> yeah, well, that yeah, at the end of season eight, that was clear. So I guess this is a post-pregnancy at this point, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Al's supposed to go pick her up at the train station at 1 a.m. No, actually at 8, 8 p.m. And then later on, it gets the time keeps getting pushed back. <laughs> So Griff is really interested in this girl, a very attractive black woman who comes in. 
nice, but I was looking for something supple and long-lasting. That would be me. <laughs> I'll be over at eight. <laughs> hey, Griff, I thought since you're divorced, you, uh, you gave up on women. That's not a woman. That's a stripper I got a shot with. <laughs> and she's dancing tomorrow night at Club Gooey. You want to come? <laughs> no, I got something gooey coming in on the train. <laughs> my, my favorite line from that exchange was where Al says, Hey, Griff, I thought you're, since you're divorced, you gave up on when He says, Al, that's not a woman. That's a stripper I got a shot with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, um, being uh, divorced, uh, I, I will say, like, these uh, these lines from Griff now hit uh, close to home. You know, <laughs> I used to think the lines from Al would hit close to home, but uh, Griff's lines uh, <laughs> really do at this point. <laughs> Interesting. So she's dancing at Club Gooey. So it makes you wonder, like, she doesn't go to the nudie bar. I guess Club Gooey is maybe a place down by the airport or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so a woman enters a shoe store holding a baby. Can I get you some shoes? I'm just looking. Well, how about some duct tape? <laughs> He's just hungry. Well, I'm hungry too. You don't see me crying. <laughs> At least not on the outside. Is it okay if I feed him? Uh -huh, sure, go ahead. I'm just kidding. While you're at it, throw a little something on for me. <laughs> ah! <laughs> oh, what in Sam Hill are you doing? I'm breastfeeding. Because he can't cook. <laughs> so now Al is shocked because this woman exposes her breast, which we don't see on camera, and feeds her crying baby. Now, you know, Alyssa, you know, we, when Chris and I were looking at the schedule for season nine, you know, we thought it would be good to have a mom. Yeah. On the show. So, uh, I so we know that you've had some experience with uh, breastfeeding. So you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So without getting too personal, <laughs> um, I used to pump and cause I, I, I was not able to breastfeed, uh, the baby wouldn't latch. So um, I was pumped. I would pump all the time, and um, the baby, when when they are hungry, they will scream, 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 just like that. And that's all. you really you you want to do anything you can to help the baby. You got to just bust out the the boob. <laughs> but I, I, I have to say though, I've never done this in public. But I do know a lot of people. In fact, this this kind of surprised me. I take my son to a mommy and me class, and there was a one of the moms. She just whipped it out in public and I was like okay <laughs> so I mean nobody said anything about it you know so I think back in the and those, those days when this episode was out it was a little more taboo than it is now that's kind of my thought on that yeah yeah you know I I mean my my story on this is I, I remember I remember this episode you know in its first run and I'm gonna say probably like I was in my early 20s and I was I'm going to say probably like in a park, like in, in New York City. 
it might have been Central Park or, you know, someplace. I remember it was in Manhattan. And, you know, I was just sort of walking and all of a sudden, like I saw a mom with a crying baby and all of a sudden it was like, whoop, like she just like whipped it out and like <laughs> put this kid on. I'm like, whoa. You know? I mean, <laughs> kind of a you know, surprise, I mean, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I immediately thought of this episode. Like it went, my mind went right back to this episode, just mm -hmm. thinking about, you know, just that look, because, you know, usually I would figure like a woman might like, for example, in this episode, the uh, woman and I'm assuming this is Cynthia Steele, who plays Rebecca, based on the lineup. So, you know, she sort of turns away from the camera, sort of like, you know, like moves her mm -hmm. blouse to the side and, you know, the baby latches. So we don't see that. Then she turns around. We're assuming that that was a doll. Like she came in with a live baby. <laughs> and I'm thinking that probably like they switched the baby to, um, to a doll. I mean, that's what I would expect. A, wo a woman who's nursing to do, but like, <laughs> I mean, like, again, just being out, like, you know, in, in, out in public, all of a sudden it's like, whoop, like, whoa, you know, <laughs> again, not, not, not something I would expect to see, you know, as I'm, <laughs> I'm strolling through the park. <laughs> I don't know, Chris, have you ever encountered something like that? Yeah. So it's funny you asked, uh, I, I was actually talking to Alex about this recently. We, we were talking about different aspects of married to children wouldn't be arable, uh, today, you know, just oh, to, yeah. I, I actually think, uh, first of all, let me start off by saying I, I really like this episode. It's one of my favorites of season nine. But I personally think this episode, as it sits, would be unairable if it were new in the mm -hmm. year 2020. Mm -hmm. And I, the biggest reason why is because breastfeeding is so universally accepted and approved by basically everyone now. I mean, yep. <laughs> I don't know. In, in the year 2020, 2021, if a network were to try to air a brand new episode like this, I just don't think it would happen. I, I don't think, uh, and I'll just tell you, like, everybody knows I'm a flight attendant, so I work on planes. Uh, well, technically right now I'm furloughed, but <laughs> when I work, I'm a flight attendant. The company culture, you know, I work for a major airline. The company's policy is women can breastfeed, period. No ifs, ands, or buts, no mm -hmm. questions, challenges, nothing. Passengers can breastfeed, period. And we cannot say anything to them. And that's really the bottom line. And I, and I would assume that basically any large corporation or even medium-sized corporation is going to have the same policy. Women can breastfeed, period. So... That's why I think, I don't think it, 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 you know, on a network television show right now, of course, this episode is grandfathered in because it came out 26 years ago now, you know, mm -hmm. but I feel like, I don't feel like a show could, could broadcast this as a new episode in 2020. I think they would have probably protests outside the studio and you name it. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Yeah. When we were talking about this, I was like, you know, I really, really like this episode. I think it's hilarious. I think it's a transitional episode. But as far as airability, I think this is probably the worst aged episode in the whole series. As far <laughs> as there, there, and a lot of other episodes, there's aspects where you can say, well, this scene could air or that scene could not air, you know. But I don't think this entire episode could air. I think the whole episode would have to be rewritten, basically. You understand what I'm saying? Like, Oh, yeah. No, I don't disagree. Yeah. So that's my thoughts. But, yeah, I like this episode. It's, it's sort of like a time capsule of the past. I think a lot of people 25, 26 years ago 
you know, 30, 40 years ago would have the same reaction that Al and Griff had. I don't, I think very, very few people would have that reaction now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Besides, you just told me he was all right if I fed him. Well, I meant to give him something healthy like an orange bang. <laughs> you're going to have to, you're going to have to shut that thing off and, and, and ooze on down the road. Let's go, Eric. But believe me, this isn't the last you've heard of this. So Al says, well, I meant to give him something healthy, like an orange bang. <laughs> <laughs> so an orange bang is a concentrate of orange juice, egg white, nonfat milk and sugar made in 1,500-gallon steel vats eight feet high. <laughs> Although the exact formula for the drink is a closely guarded secret, it's safe to say it's very similar in taste to the orange drink made by Orange Julius of America. Yeah. Now, what's, now what's interesting is Orange Julius has been mentioned uh, two other times on Married with Children. One was on uh, the England uh, 3 episode. When uh, Igor <laughs> wants to kill Al, and Al says, "And I bought you an orange Julius in London, buddy." Uh, and it was mentioned another time, but uh, I guess somebody on the writing staff must have really liked this drink. <laughs> uh, and from what I understand, it's very popular in California, Alyssa. It's not something you find on the East Coast. Orange Julius. Yes. Or a or orange bang. <laughs> An orange Julius, I think, and an orange bang. So all the ones that I know of have closed, have closed down. <laughs> right, yeah. right. I'm just saying, but they were all on the West Coast. Oh, I mean, yeah. They were not here well, in the East Well, just like uh, you guys have Coast. White Castle, and we don't have those over here. Oh. <laughs> you know, I haven't eaten White Castle since November of 1987. Oh, wow. <laughs> I had a very bad experience, and I remember it, you know, more than 30 years later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Chris, was, was Orange Julius Orange Bank something you could find in Texas? I don't think so. I, I've never seen it through that way. They're usually at the mall. It's in the food court. Okay. Okay. You know, it could be something I've seen in the past and I'm just not recalling it, but I, it's certainly not, uh, certainly not prominent that I remember through that way. <laughs> okay. You're gonna have to, you have to shut that thing off and, and, and ooze on down the road. <laughs> so that's a reference to "Ease on Down the Road," yeah. which is a song from The Wiz. Now Griff sings that song in the Munchkin episode, which comes up. I think that's season eleven, if I'm not mistaken. You remember when uh, Griff says that he was in The Wiz? No. <laughs> yeah. I think that I know it's very late in the series. I don't. Is that the tornado that. episode? Uh, it, at the end, like uh, he, they build a uh, a house out of shoes for the Munchkins. Oh, you remember that's like the last scene of the episode. No, I don't remember that at all. I guess no. Got to go right. back and watch those again. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, like my my knowledge of seasons like ten and eleven is not as good as my knowledge of like one through like three. Jane, yeah. <laughs> that's why we have Annabelle, right? That's why it's fun doing a podcast on these because, you know, I don't watch them that, that often. And, and again, you know, one of the rules we try to do is we try not to jump ahead. But, you know, we do occasionally mention the future, but uh, we have to try to stay grounded. But, yeah, <laughs> but I know most of the fans have seen these. So it's like it's well, not 26 years later. I, I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, as I said, you know, and just in case we're not sure, Annabelle will always correct us. Right. Yeah. Right, Annabelle. <laughs> <laughs> So much for milk doing a body good. 
What is happening to this country when a woman of the opposite sex can just waddle into your place of business, your holy sanctuary, and bare her breasts? That's disgusting. That's repulsive. Oh, so milk, uh, so much for milk doing a body good. <laughs> That's a Nike's reference right there, too. Yeah, so, so the Milk Does a Body Good campaign was first started in 1982 by the advertising agency McCann Erickson Worldwide, and it aired for 12 years and was then uh, supplanted by the famous Got Milk campaign. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So in 1994, when this episode is airing, would have been the last year that we saw new Milk It Does a Body Good uh, commercials. What girl's going to go for me with a body like this? Hang in there, Tom. I'm you two years from now because you're drinking milk and working out. Well, I'm not changing so far. But milk's at work inside you. Oh, yeah? And tomorrow the difference can show. All that protein for muscle and calcium for bones. But I'm still a skinny bench warmer. Hey, if the sight of yourself at 18 doesn't convince you, Tom, listen to your senior year girlfriend. Hi, Tom. I'm waiting. Milk, it does a body good. Now, I wanted to talk about this little piece. So, so Alan Griffin now talking about what's happening to this country when a woman of the opposite sex can just waddle into your place of business, your holy sanctuary, and bare her breasts. That's disgusting. Now, this is coming from the guy who goes to the nudie bar. <laughs> yeah. And we have, a, and you know, and Chris and I are going to be reviewing a very famous episode of The Men in the Nudie Bar a little later this season. <laughs> so, here's my the question that I pose. Now, I've never had an issue with this, but I know that like some men, like women have spoken about this, where women, when they become mothers, you know, it's like, like say men have this fixation on breasts, right? Mm -hmm. And women, when they become mothers and they become nursing, it's like some guys are turned off by that. And I think that's really what they're, they're tapping into with Al and Griff in this particular episode. It's like, to them, it's like what they've always seen. It's like the sexualization of women, right? That's, this is what their fantasy is. But, you know, I mean, breasts have a function. <laughs> They're food. Yeah. <laughs> My husband you know, never had a problem with it. <laughs> right. You know, right. Yeah, I'm just saying. So, it, you know, so I think that's really the, that's, that's the humor that they're tapping into. I just wonder if you guys have any thoughts on that. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, breasts have a function and they're food. You know, humans are mammals, and as far as I know, we're the only mammals that exist that manage to sexualize breasts. <laughs> I mean, you think about it, you know, think about, you know, well, any other mammal. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. I get. I suppose it's hard to know what's in their heads, but I don't know of any other mammal that uses breasts for any other purpose other than food, if you really think about it, you know? Right. Well, he Al's just sexist. He's always been sexist, you know? So it doesn't surprise yeah. me in the least that he'd be disgusted by this. <laughs> yeah, like I said, you know what I mean? Because that's what like I thought was, you know, the, I mean, again, the dichotomy of the writing. It's like there, it's like he's a guy who would go to the nudie bar every night, but it's like now like a woman's using breasts for something other than, you know, <laughs> strip teasing and, and, you know, mm -hmm. and dancing. And all of a sudden it's like he's repulsed by it. <laughs> I mean, again, it sets up the comedy. I mean, and, you know, we talk about this, otherwise we'd have nothing to talk about in the podcast. But True. <laughs> uh, that's that's the uh, that's the comedy. Yeah, and they, you know, what's funny is they, they make the joke perfect whenever they have Al and Griff being disgusted by breastfeeding, and then they immediately sit down and open up uh, Big One. <laughs> yeah. At, 
it it makes it perfect so you know exactly you know like you said you know exactly what they're tapping into there <laughs> I, I really love the scene because it's like you know al opens up biggins griff opens up black biggins <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like they look at each other's magazines and like they switch that was funny <laughs> <laughs> We now cut to a scene with Peg. So this is Peg's first scene for season nine. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for riding Amtrain, where our motto is, I think I can, I think I can. Excuse me, ma'am. You mind if I sit here? Do you sell women's shoes? God, no. I transport radioactive sludge across the country. Well, as long as you don't sell women's shoes. Thank you. So you're taking that to a toxic waste dump? Yeah, Los Angeles. <laughs> Isn't it dangerous to be carrying that stuff on the train? I wouldn't concern myself in the least about that, ma'am. We are the United States government. We know what we're doing. Toxic spill, one for your lives. I mean, she was on the phone. I mean, she's on the phone and we just sort of see her torso and talking into a phone. But now we actually see her full body on the train. Right. It says, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for riding Amtrain, where our motto is, I think I can, I think I can. <laughs> so here we have another reference to the little engine that could. Mm -hmm. And Amtrain is obviously a spoof on Amtrak. That was funny. Now, if you remember, back in the 90s, Amtrak had a miserable track record. They still have a bad record today, but uh, there, were a bu there were a bunch of crashes and derailments, as I remember, during this time period. So I think the writers of the show were really honing in on that. It's kind of hard to search for that, you know, because some, sometimes like when I do my research, I'll try to say, it's like, okay, show me like train derailments 1993 or 1994 and with Amtrak. And it was a little tough to find exactly without putting in specific dates. Mm -hmm. So this one was tough. So maybe somebody out there has some more info on that. So uh, Little Engine That Could was referenced on uh, season three, episode two, and season eight, episode 14. Peg talks to this guy who's transporting radioactive sludge across the country. <laughs> so he's played by Jack Riley. Okay, he looked familiar. What has he been in? I meant to look this up. <laughs> yeah, so Jack Riley. He is a character actor. He passed away in 2016. Mm -hmm. He was in a bunch of different shows throughout the 60s, from the 60s really through the 80s. Oh, wow. But he is most famous for being on the Bob Newhart show. Oh. He, he played the terminally depressed Elliot Carlin in that show's uh, later seasons. And generally, like, he became this character actor who was, like, always had, like, this deadpan humor. But he was in a bunch of different shows. Hogan's Heroes, I Dream of Jeannie. He was in History of the World Part One. Oh, that's uh, he Yeah, he was on Night Court, Seinfeld. Okay, that might be where I know him from, Seinfeld. Yeah, but like I said, but his most famous role was that, again, Elliot Carlin on the Bob Newhart show. All right, so <laughs> there was this joke about, you know, we are the United States government, we know what we're doing, and all of a sudden, it's like the lights go out. <laughs> it's like, oh, toxic spill, run for your lives. <laughs> <laughs> the, the line I liked the best was when he said, I'm taking it to a toxic waste dump, and he pauses and goes, Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <laughs> 
Uh, so that was a quick scene. We cut back to Al, and he's uh, has a woman in the chair who has some foot odor problems. <laughs> the hippie lady. <laughs> now you're sure these shoes aren't made with any animal byproducts? Uh, not unless you've come across a Nagahitosaurus lately. <laughs> Good. Because it's against my belief to upset the balance of nature in any way. That's why I haven't washed my feet since I converted. <laughs> I hope I haven't offended you. Well, you've got to have lunch before you lose it. <laughs> so she so so she wants to make sure that the shoes aren't made of animal byproducts. Now, let me ask you guys. She is probably, I'm not going to say. I'm going to say there's a specific kind of vegan, like who don't eat like anything that comes from an animal, including like milk. Yeah. It's, oh, gosh. Well, not like, that, like, it's what? called a vegan. It's called a vegan. So that that is a vegan? Yeah, like in other words? Yeah. Because like I know like vegetarian, like there's vegetarians like who, who don't eat meat, but like they'll drink milk. But right. there's a specific kind like they won't have anything that comes from an animal. Yeah, that's a vegan. <laughs> yeah. I, I knew one once. He... He ate tofu. Like he took me to like a, a vegan, whatever you want to call it, a Chinese place. And it was like, well, you know, this stuff that's brown, that's the imitation beef. And this is the imitation chicken. And that's the <laughs> imitation that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, you know, Al said this word that I had never heard before, right? <laughs> so he says, not unless you come across a Nagahydosaurus lately. <laughs> was, what the hell is Nagahyde? Nagahide is an American brand of artificial leather. Yeah. Nagahide is a composite knit fabric backing and expanded polyvinyl chloride plastic coating. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it was developed by Brian Hunter by the United States Rubber Company, and it's now manufactured and sold by Uniroyal. Its name, which was first trademarked in 1936, comes from the from the town of Naugatuck, Connecticut, where it was first produced. Hmm. It is now manufactured in Staunton, Wisconsin. Hmm. Interesting. All right. <laughs> but it's funny, like, but the look on Al's face, and it's like, I mean, you know how, uh, Chris, on um, in season eight, uh, we talked about how Amanda Burst said that Al, you know, Ed O'Neill would have made a, uh, a great silent comedy actor by his facial expressions. I mean, just when he, as he's sitting in the, as that woman's in the chair, like just to see the look on his face, like almost makes me like imagine how, how nasty those feet smell. <laughs> <laughs> he has yeah. some great facial expressions for sure. Yeah. You were talking about, uh, I was going to add, I actually work with a, a bunch of them, <laughs> the airline. They're, they're very interesting people. And then there's a third one. Uh, you mentioned vegans and vegetarians. There's actually a third one, the pescatarians. Those are uh, sort of like vegetarians, but they eat fish. So they don't they don't eat any meat except for fish. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, vegans are really interesting people. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like it's almost like a religion, like a really strict religion. In a way. <laughs> you know, like I said, I, I'm I'm all for whatever it is that people want to do. I mean, look, actually, you know, vegetarian lifestyle is the healthiest. If yeah. you think about it, right? I mean, my problem is I, I like my I like my dead animals. Remember, like there's that one episode where Al says it's like soon our mouths will be alive with dead animals of every race and religion. <laughs> That's sort of my religion, you know. 
But uh, I know that my doctor would prefer it be more of a vegetarian. <laughs> Wouldn't all of our doctors say that? <laughs> yeah, but I'll tell you, this one line like really tickles me each time. She says, you know, the woman says, I hope I haven't offended you. So Al says, you got to have lunch before you lose it. <laughs> <laughs> So then Al turns to Griff. You know, Griff, how come you always get the normal people and I always get the sideshow folk? Tell you what, Al, the next one that walks in here, you can watch me work. <laughs> Hello, honey. My name is Griff. I own this mall. <laughs> Yeah, did you notice his luxury Geo Metro with the po' boy vanity plates parked in, uh, parked in the executive level Z? And we have another beautiful woman comes in, and she's played by Gretchen Palmer. Now, I have a funny story for both of you on this. Now, you know, typically in the shoe store, we've gotten, you know, very large women, and we've gotten like hot chicks and usually they've been very hot white chicks. So now that we have Griff, we're getting some very hot black chicks. Mm -hmm. Now there was a comedian. I remember hearing this stand-up routine years ago. And when I say years ago, it must've been at least 15 to 20 years ago. And he gets up and he says, you know, any of you ever watched Love Boat? And he goes, yeah. He's like, you know how racist that show was? <laughs> you know, people are like the laughing. Like, what do you mean it was racist? It's like every storyline, you know, anytime there was a black woman on the boat, it would be like love for Isaac. <laughs> it's like, you know, just because it's like, you know, as soon as there was like a black woman on, it was always like paired with Isaac. It's like it couldn't have been anybody else. Right. <laughs> because they would always have to pair up, obviously, a black woman with a black man. Mm -hmm. Now, nowadays, you know, you don't see that. And you see, that was one of the things that Married with Children still did at that point in time. There was no like mixing. Like today, it's you know you'll see a sitcom, and you'll have let's say, you know, black man or and a white woman or an Asian woman or whatever, mm -hmm. or or vice versa, like a white guy you know with with a a black woman. But back then, they were still doing this formula of if there was a love interest for a white guy, it was going to be a white girl. If there was a love interest for a, a black man, it was a black girl. So I just thought that was uh, interesting. But, you know, the, I remember that joke from The Love Boat, you know, <laughs> had, me, had me think about that for a second. Yeah, just look at Modern Family. Uh, Ed O'Neill and Sophia Vergara, white man, uh, yeah. Hispanic woman. Right. A thought came across when I was watching this last night. <laughs> the only people that come into the shoe store are fat women or gorgeous model women. <laughs> There's never like a happy, like a happy medium. <laughs> It's kind of funny. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. So Griff now has his line. He's like, my name is Griff. I own this mall. <laughs> yeah, so Alex talks about the luxury Geo Metro with the Paul Board vanity plates. <laughs> I mean, you guys remember the Geo Metro? Yeah. I do, yeah. yeah. I, you know, that was one of those car brands that was around for like a very short period of time. And, you know, it was like the modern day uh, Dodge. That's the best way of putting it. Yeah, it was a hatchback, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I had a Geo Prism. That was my first car. It's a good car, but I never had a Metro, but I do remember them. They were manufactured between 1989 and 2001. Yeah. yeah so they had a very short lifespan. And I guess, you know, that the joke was, you know, you know, Griff, 
the, this mention of the Geo Metro with Griff, I think, con continues through the end of the series. Anytime they talk about Griff having a car, he's got a Geo Metro. <laughs> but at least, I mean, it's 20 years newer than a Dodge. That's true. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that line about him owning the mall is hilarious. Because it's like, I think every guy can relate to that. Because at some point, we've all made up dumb lies to try to tell women, you know. But yeah, this is my Griff and I own this mall. <laughs> yeah, you remember even Bud did that on, in the Poppies by the Tree episode. Oh, yeah. Remember, he's, he's talking to that girl. Yep. And he's like Coca-Cola and like he, like he waves the finger to himself. It's like, that was me, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now the kids come in and talk to Al about Peggy. Hey, Dad. Mm -hmm. Listen, we just got a call from Mom. Well, don't blame me. I didn't give her the number. <laughs> well, we have some good news and we have some bad news. There was a train wreck, but Mom's okay. So what's the good news? <laughs> She wants you to pick her up at 1 a.m., which is in the morning, but I'm not sure what time. Well, for you, that would be uh, five guys past midnight. Come to think of it, we do have some garter belts, but I'll have to take you in the back for a fitting. Isn't it dark back there? Why, yes, I believe it is. Okay, Eric and Lyle. What else have you got to put me out of my misery? Well, I just got another acting job. Khalil's False Eye Emporium is shooting their commercial for their Peter Falk birthday sale. <laughs> and they want me to be their wink wink girl. <laughs> you must be very proud. I'll say. This could be the springboard to my own sitcom on Fox. <laughs> well, usually that comes before the Khalil Eye job. I just need $100 for wardrobe and makeup. Please, Daddy, I promise I'll pay you Oh, All right, just buy me a nice headstone. We'll call it even. <laughs> you got it, big guy. We're not really going to buy him a headstone, are we? No. Mom already sold him to that medical school in Mexico. <laughs> Did you also catch what he called them? Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll get to that in one okay. second. Okay. So, <laughs> I got um, that in my notes. So now, so, so now Griff takes this girl, this gorgeous girl, Gretchen Palmer, to the back. And we see them later in the episode. So the insinuation is, you know, there's some hanky-panky going on in the back. <laughs> All right. So now Al calls the kids Eric and Lyle. Yeah. <laughs> so take it away, Alyssa. Okay. Well, being a 90s child, <laughs> everybody remembers Eric and Lyle Menendez. They were the two uh, brothers that killed their parents. And I think it happened, uh, I don't remember the year. It was around this time, though, were, their trial was going on. Yep. It happened in 1989, and they were convicted in 94. Right. I think it was earlier. It was in, over the summer. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe late spring, early summer. Eric and Lyle are actually mentioned about three times on Married with Children. I believe this is their first reference. Mm-hmm. But there are some other references to the Menendez boys. <laughs> they killed their parents. They went on a, a shopping spree with the money that they got after that. And then, then they alleged that they had been, they had suffered years of sexual and emotional abuse, which is why they killed them. Mm -hmm. So it was a very sensational trial. Now, there's another Married with Children connection with the Menendez brothers. Hmm. So in January of 2017... HLN, they announced a premiere of a show called How It Really Happened, 
which was a documentary series hosted by Hill Harper. That name should be familiar to us as Aaron. Oh. From from season eight. Oh, wow. And he did a segment on the most notorious crimes, mysteries, trials, and celebrity tragedies of our times. And the Menendez brothers were featured on that. Oh, wow. So, so everything comes full circle. Yeah. <laughs> I actually have a funny story about the Menendez brothers. Okay. I'm all ears on this one, Chris. <laughs> um, it was in the- a fun story. <laughs> It's just kind of funny. It was in the news a few years ago, and I guess it matches up with around the time that Hill Harper did that uh, documentary. But uh, if if you watch the documentary, you know, like as you said, they went on a huge spending spree with their parents' money. One of the things that they did was they bought courtside seats to uh, New York Knicks games at the Madison Square Garden because I guess they were a big Knicks fan. Well, anyway, there's a basketball card with uh, NBA point guard Mark Jackson that some fan, just by pure chance, noticed that you can very clearly see the Menendez brothers in the background. Wow. And the funny thing about Mark Jackson is, I mean, he was a decent NBA player. He is a decent pro. I mean, he was in the league, I think, about 10 years or so. So he had a fine career. But he was never like a superstar-level player. That card when they just made that find, was uh, selling for several thousand dollars on eBay. <laughs> just wow. because to have the Menendez brothers in the background. This and, is uh, after? They, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. This is after they killed the parents? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. And, you know, went on a shopping spree, and one of the things they bought was season tickets to the New York Knicks. Oh, my. season tickets. And you can see Mark, Mark Jackson, the NBA player, he's, he's standing there making a goofy pass. And you see the Menendez brothers very clearly in the background. That card, <laughs> again, Mark Jackson was never a superstar level player, but that card was selling for several thousand bucks on you know eBay and Amazon and, and so on and so forth, just because just because of the Menendez brothers. And I'll post the I'll post the story about that card down in the comment section so people can see it. Kind of funny, right? And this happened. Uh, the killings happened in Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. Just FYI. Wow. So that must have been that was probably bigger news for you in California at the oh, time. Oh yeah, Lisa. yeah. So it was OJ. <laughs> I remember it being national news, but I'm going to say it was probably really big out in California. There was a lot of big, high-profile cases out here. So here's something that's a little uncharacteristic. So Kelly says that she got another acting job. So this is Khalil's False Eye Emporium is shooting their commercial for their Peter Falk birthday sale, and they want to, her to be the wink, wink girl. <laughs> I said, this could be the springboard to my own sitcom on Fox. <laughs> they always rip on Fox. I mean, they're ripping on themselves. Like, you know, we've seen cracks on NBC or CBS, but. Yeah. Now, this is what I thought was very uncharacteristic. So Kelly says, I need $100 for wardrobe and makeup. And Al reaches into his pocket and gives her something. So I'm like, when the hell does Al Bundy have $100 in his pocket? <laughs> I mean, doesn't that seem like a little uh, out of character? Very, yep. yeah. The reference to Peter Falk. Columbo. So Columbo, that's right. So Peter Falk died in 2011, was American actor and comedian known as his role as Lieutenant Columbo in the long-running series Columbo. And there were a bunch of different series of that between 1968 and 2003. He won four Primetime Emmy Awards, Golden Globe, and, you know, his... 
right eye was surgically removed when he was three because of a retinoblastoma. So he wore an artificial eye for most of his life. And the artificial eye was the cause of his trademark squint. Huh. Now, Annabelle wanted to point out that Katie Seagal was in a 1973 episode of Columbo, which was directed by her father, Boris. Wow. Thanks, Annabelle. Yeah, like, you know, <laughs> Annabelle can find, like, I mean, Annabelle, I think, can find any, you know how there's like six degrees of bacon? <laughs> I think, you know, Annabelle is the cha world champion of six degrees of married with children. <laughs> you know, give her any actor and she can give you six degrees. <laughs> so for some reason, Al Bundy has $100 in his pocket, which he gives to Kelly. <laughs> And uh, he says, we're, gonna, we're, we're not going to buy him a tombstone, are we? It's like, Mom already sold him to that medical school in Mexico. <laughs> now, do you remember there was an earlier episode when Peggy sold Al's body parts? Yeah. To, uh, remember, it's like, you know, she wanted to sell them to, like, Marcy. And Marcy's like, well, it's like, you know, we have so much already. <laughs> and and there was, was a slide. of eyes, right? Peg is like, I was going to get gasoline. I was rubbing my eyes. And this mechanic comes up to me and he says, you know, hey, don't rub those. I own them. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> that was, uh, I'm going to say, around season three-ish. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty old a long yeah. time ago. Yeah. Now, you see, like, I get spoiled, Alyssa. Like, I remember the lines. I don't necessarily remember each episode clearly. But mm -hmm. if I had Annabelle on here right now, I would say, Annabelle, remember this line? Boom. She'd remember the episode. Yeah, yeah. Snap, of, snap of a finger. She could tell me exactly where, where it was in the script. <laughs> so kudos to her. So now Griff takes uh, our lovely lady to the back. So how's that garden bell working out? can't tell. There's no mirror in here. Well, that's why I brought this Polaroid. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the wife's away and the kids are gone. At least there's no one here to annoy me. <laughs> so when was the last time uh, any of you got a Polaroid of yourselves? <laughs> like, this is very much a time capsule. Oh, wow. Late 80s? Maybe? I don't think I had a Polaroid in the 90s at all. Oh, yeah. I definitely still had one as a kid in the 90s, but I mean, we're talking probable, uh, I mean, probably elementary school, which would have been early 90s for me. I remember using Polaroids, so, so yeah, I mean, that was prob probably early, early to mid-90s at the most recent. But you know what's funny is, you know, like all fads and all... And all um, whatever you want to call them, they're coming back. I actually see Polaroids. Now, they're miniature Polaroids, but I actually yeah. see these Polaroids on the shelves at Target. So Yeah, you know, Instamax. Like yeah. You mm -hmm. know, like all, all bad, it, 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 it leaves, and then it comes back 20 years later, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, like if, if you go to like um, some parties, you know how they have like photo booths? Yeah. I mean, that's effectively like what it is, that those are Polaroids. But, mm -hmm. you know, that used to be the, the preferred method of getting your photos, especially in the 80s. That was really big in the 80s. They were really cool, actually. It was yeah, a very cool question. <laughs> you know, you take a picture and all of a sudden it's like it's developed and in front of you in a few minutes. <laughs> I mean, now it's like you just put them on your phone and, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe you'll print them out, right? <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. So now Al has a moment of silence, and he says, well, the wife's away and the kids are gone. There's no one here to annoy me. And in comes Marcy. Al Bundy. Oh, no. Did you banish this woman and her child from your store yesterday? 
I did? How dare you deny her her God-given right to nurse her baby whenever Mother Nature calls? <laughs> Breastfeeding is a natural biological function. So is peeing, but you don't see me doing that in public. <laughs> Well, the last time I looked, the side of my garage was in public. Mercy, you may have noticed that this is a place of business. Are you going to allow this woman to nurse or not? Mercy, in the words of your own people, cluck, no. No choice. Now, the way that Marcy talks to Al is she really got the chicken thing going. <laughs> yeah, she did. It's like it's almost like a machine gun the way that she talks to him, right? <laughs> so breastfeeding is a natural biological function. So is peeing, but you don't see me doing that in public. Touche, <laughs> uh, Marcy. <laughs> I had a question on this scene. I have it in my notes. Why did this lady go to Marcy of all people? It's not really explained, is it? Yeah. Now, this is something that was interesting. In the IMDb description, it said that Marcy is her Fang group comes in for a protest. Now, oh. we were introduced to Fang in season eight. Right. This is uh, in the one where Peg's, it's like, honey, I blew myself up. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, so we were introduced to Fang there, but there's never really a direct reference to it. Now, we know that Marcy has a women's group. You know, she's always talked about a women's group meeting, but it's not specifically Fang. So on the IMDb write-up, they mention Fang, but they're really it's not explicitly mentioned in the episode. So I don't know if that's canically, right? <laughs> I know I'm using a, a very bad word for married with children, like canon, right? <laughs> If canically, it's part of them, this fan group, but that's what we assume, right? That makes sense now. <laughs> Are you going to allow this woman to nurse or not? And so uh, Al says, cluck, no. <laughs> so now all of a sudden, this lactating train of women <laughs> march into the shoe store. <laughs> now, this is so outlandish and so cartoonish. I mean, I mean, to me, like this is now, it's really become a Warner Brothers cartoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do you feel about that? Do you think this is the first episode where it became a Warner Brothers cartoon? No. Because there's been other times when, you know, you've seen dummies. What was the episode? The, the one I, I remember as being, well, there's a couple. The one where the roof has a leak, the rain episode. Yep. That's right. Yep. Who'll stop the rain? Right. That's where you see his dummy. And, but it was only like a couple of times in that season. And then the other one I remember is where... What were they? What were Bud and Kelly trying to move a dresser? Oh, that was the uh, jukebox. That was uh, the worst Noel. Yeah, that was the other time I remember. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, he would be dead. <laughs> he would be dead if that happened. Yeah. 
you know, I've said it like, you know, I'd say probably if you look at real Warner Brothers stuff, mm-hmm. um, if you go back to Wabbit season, mm-hmm. when oh, right. uh, Al is trying to get rid of the rabbit yeah. who's uh, uh, destroying his vegetable garden, you know, like the, they blow the house up, <laughs> you know, then magically the house the following week, you know, reappears. I mean, or even you could go back even further back to uh, you remember when Marcy and Steve's house disappears and it ends up as a chicken restaurant in Waukegan. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, that's Warner Brothers stuff. But, I mean, it's sort of like – it's sort of almost in the realm you – know, I'm not going to say, like, realm of possibility. But it's like – it was like a one-off. Mm-hmm. But, like, to me, it's like in season nine, all of a sudden, like, this type of humor becomes consistent. It's like episode after episode after episode. It's the same. We get it where it be, it's a total cartoon. Like, in other words, in the past, you would have a cartoon episode, but then you'd go back to reality the next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sort of regrounds you, but now it's like we just are, we're a cartoon every week. Totally. Yeah. I mean, not to mention that you know this episode, Peggy would have been killed probably between the radioactive, <laughs> uh, you know, waste spilling and then the train crashing. I mean, you know, and she crashed she twice. <laughs> well, yeah, she literally crashed twice. Which either one of those would have killed her, and then she runs through a door at the end of the episode and knocks the door down. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely lo- uh, Looney Tunes right there. Yep. <laughs> you know, uh, my thoughts are like at, at this point, it is what it is. So I just embrace the. It's entertaining. The, I embrace the calamity and insanity and just, just love it for what it is. So. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So now we get back to Peggy on the train, and in walks an old lady, a mean old lady at that, who's played by Gene Spiegel Howard. for our little toxic incident, but feel free to keep your souvenir decontamination suits and thank you for riding Amtrain, where we care and we settle out of court. Do you mind if I sit down? Is that a pie you're carrying? Yes, it is. Park it, Granny. (laughs) Decontamination sure takes a lot out of you. (laughs) Not that the barium wasn't fun. Would you like to have a piece of banana cream pie? Well, I'm on a diet, but I'm sure bananas are on it. That'll be $50. Forget it. I'll just wait till they serve dinner. All right. Who ordered the kosher meal? Anyone? Anyone? Here's your 50 bucks. Now, gimme. Have you got a fork? It'll cost ya. <laughs> Never mind. I'll just eat it just like this. Attention, Amtrain survivors. We seem to have run into some minor difficulty. Have you got a napkin? Yes. Twenty dollars. Now, uh, Jean Spiegel Howard is the mother of Ron Howard. Oh. So Rich, Richie Cunningham or uh, Opie, right? Yeah. <laughs> and she appears on Married with Children four times. This is her second appearance. She was on Assault and Batteries. Oh yeah. 
Then she's in, and Bingo was her game-o, which will be in the future, as well right. as the inf- infamous Enemies episode. Yep. Where she's actually on screen with her real-life husband, who is uh, Ron Howard's dad. So both Ron Howard's parents are on that episode. Wow, I did not know that was her. She looked very familiar. I have to admit, uh, this lady, I had no idea that was Ron Howard's mother until I looked at her notes. Seriously. I, I love this lady. She's amazing. I love all four of her appearances. She's hilarious. She always plays the same part, a grouchy old woman. Uh-huh. But she owns and she owns it, and she's amazing at it. I love her. She's so funny. Yeah, I mean, you know, and again, you know, comedy is is difficult. What I mean is like, you know, to make something funny, like, you know, to be funny requires a lot of work. I've said this before. You could throw a pie in somebody's face and somebody finds that to be funny. But if you're going to throw a pie in somebody's face and there's a reason why the pie ends up on that face and you could set it up properly, you know, that's what makes the humor. You know what I mean? Like there's no comedy in just having a pie in somebody's face. Right. Right. Now, literally in this scene, the pie does end up in the face. So I give her a lot of credit because here she is like, you know, she should be this little old lady or nice little old lady or mean little old lady. But, you know, she really has some great comedic timing. Yeah, yeah she, she does. Really does. Exactly. I think the, the, scene, the, the bingo episode that you referenced earlier, I think that might be my, my favorite appearance of hers. It's hilarious. <laughs> I remember that one. That's when, like, she's really mean toward, like, Peg and Marcy, and they're in the, uh, the bingo parlor, and, like, the, the Peggy wins bingo and then, like, loses all the money trying to get home. Trying to get home, yeah. <laughs> she, was, she was particularly rude to Marcy. She kept telling Marcy to shut up, remember? And then whenever <laughs> Peg wins, she, uh, she's like, congratulations, Peggy, and Marcy turns around and goes, shut up. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what season was that? Was that 10? 9? Uh... Yeah, something like that. <laughs> One of those seasons, yeah. Yeah. We'll get to it when we get to it. I know. We're, we're skipping ahead a lot in this podcast today. <laughs> I know. We're very excited uh, for Griff. And soon we have our other other great uh, first appearance. Well, we have a great first appearance uh, coming up. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorites. So, <laughs> so Peggy... So they say decontamination sure takes a lot out of you. Not that the barium wasn't fun. (laughs) (laughs) So barium, I'm like wondering, like, well, what's that? So barium is a chemical element with the symbol BA and atomic number 56. It's the fifth element of group two and is a soft, silvery, alkaline earth metal. It is highly reactive and it's never found in nature as a free element. Has a few industrial applications and historically, historically, it was used as a getter for vacuum tubes and, and in oxide form as the emissive coating under direct, indirectly heated cathodes. So actually, barium would have been used on old television sets, now, based on what it's saying here. Because, you know, old television sets would have had vacuum tubes in them. All right. So now we get the pie in the face. Well, she wants money for each pie, right? If she wants money for the pie, she wants money for the napkin. The fork. <laughs> the fork now the cook coming out i thought that was pretty funny right so who ordered the kosher meal <laughs> so if you notice he's actually carrying a live chicken mm-hmm. so chickens are used now this is we got to thank annabelle for this for kaparot a customary atonement ritual practiced practiced by some jews on the eve of yom kippur so yom kippur is in usually in the month of september so that would sort of make sense 
you know, they're looking at something that's happening. So if you're in September of 94, when this is being filmed, probably Yom Kippur had happened around that time. Mm. So now we have pie in the face, the napkins for 20 bucks. <laughs> so now Bud comes into the shoe store. Dad, I hate to bother you again, but... I... Well, there's a Kodak moment. So what do you want, son? Mom just wanted me to tell you she was in another train wreck. Son, your mother is a train wreck. Now, as you can see, I'm busy with Suckle Palooza here. So is there any part of your story that's of interest to me? Just that mom's coming in at 3 a.m. now and she expects you to be there. See ya. Well, the train station at 3 a.m., so I guess it'll just be me and Streisand picking up our loved ones from Wanker County. Either of you ever go to Lollapalooza? No. Mm-mm. No, I did not. Huh? Well, you were pretty young, Chris. <laughs> Yeah, no, I remember, you know, it was in the early to mid 90s and then there was a revival like in the early 2000s. Yeah, I think they did bring it back for a little bit. And, you know, it was in different parts of the country. And I think they went international, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was like the 90s version of Woodstock, I right. guess, for those of you who are, are too young to remember that. But wasn't it a, tra- it was a traveling concert, right? It was a yes, traveling, yes. yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, if a band played at Lollapalooza, that meant that it was like a good band. Like, Huge. in other words, like that was, that was the, the point behind it. Right. There's a, a little 90s reference again. Nobody else <laughs> might get. <laughs> All right. Al says... She expects you to be there at 3 a.m. So Al says, it'll just be me and Streisand picking up our loved ones from Wanker County. <laughs> so random, random mention. So what he's referring to, what Al's referring to there is a reference to the movie Funny Girl from 1968, which stars Barbara Streisand. There's a scene where she sings, don't rain on my parade. And that's at the Hoboken train station in New Jersey. Don't. Tell me not to live, just sit and putter. Life's candy and the sun's a ball of butter. Don't bring around a cloud to rain on my parade. Don't tell me not to fly, I simply got to. If someone takes a spill, it's me and not you. Who told you you're allowed to rain on my parade? I'll march my band out. Turn at bat, sir. At least I didn't fake it, hat, sir. I guess I didn't make it, but whether I'm the rose of sheer perfection, a freckle on the nose of life's complexion, the cinder of a shiny apple of its eye. I gotta fly once, I gotta try once, only can die once, right, sir. Ooh, life is juicy, juicy, and you see, I. I've been there many times, so I know the the <laughs> I know it very well. The movie takes place, I think, around the time of the First World War. Mm-hmm. So they needed a train station that had a look, like had a very old look to it, and that train station still looks the same as it did like a hundred plus years ago. So now the girls are singing, "We shall not be moved." <laughs> 
now that you see how serious we are, are you ready to listen to our demands? Not yet. Now I'm ready. <laughs> Fine. Hit it, girls! We shall not, we shall not be moved. All right, sing! We shall not, we shall not be moved. Sing and nurse, nurse and sing, but mark my words, you shall not win this one. Men will rally round me. They will march through the shadow of the valley of your immensity and see the righteousness of my cause. For men are trustworthy, loyal, and... We shall not be moved. That's a uh, very powerful civil rights song by Mavis Staples. Mm -hmm. So as you're singing, we find out that not all of the ladies are ladies. <laughs> Jefferson, you little wuss. <laughs> How could you do this to your own breed? Marcy made me do it. She said she didn't have enough women for her protest, so it was either this or get a job. Oh, how low. A job? I agree. <laughs> Not that, Jay Edgar. Give me this doll. You know what I have a good mind to do with this, don't you? Give it back to the little girl I took it from? <laughs> exactly. That's <laughs> <Hey, sweetie. laughs> The girl. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Jefferson, you know what this means? Oh, no, don't tell the guys. I couldn't take another night of a thousand wedgies. All right, there's one way you can buy my silence. That's cruel. That's horrible. That's evil. I'll do it. <laughs> this was great. <laughs> Jefferson has no pride at all as a man. I mean, he just has no... He has no integrity as a man at all. So true. <laughs> So true. I mean, geez, I mean, yeah. Like, can you imagine, Luigi? Well, I mean, you, you you were married at one time. Can you imagine your wife asking you to do this? I mean, I, I think you support your spouse pretty much in whatever they do, but can you imagine dressing up as a woman and pretending to breastfeed at a, <laughs> a, a store? You know what I mean? Like Jefferson has no pride at all. <laughs> he has no backbone. I think he's just bored. <laughs> now, you know... With my ex-wife, I, I had her watch the uh, Scared Single episode. Uh -huh. I just said to her, I was like, listen, uh, I'll do lots of things for you, but I don't want to be regulated uh, to be holding the wife's purse in the mall, in the mall <laughs> lounge. You know, so please don't do that to me. And she never, she never let me hold the purse. So <laughs> I have to give her credit for that. But yeah, I, I don't think having me in pantyhose and, you know, wig and all that, nah, I don't think that would fly. <laughs> I will say, though, Jefferson makes a, a not a bad-looking woman, though. He does? I, I don't think I could pull that off, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm no Caitlyn Jenner. <laughs> so we have a reference here to J. Edgar Hoover again, who seems to have been a punching bag. You know, for like cross-dressing, like you know, that's been mentioned a number, a number of times on the show. So it seems to be getting stale by now. And he just says J. Edgar. He never says Hoover, but I guess everybody should know what that is by that point, right? <laughs> yeah. Now Jefferson says that he can't take another night of a thousand wedgies. Uh, so uh, there was one episode. I think it might have been in season seven where Marcy gives Jefferson a Melvin. Well, what she says is a Melvin, and he says what we used to call these wedgies. And I pointed out to Alex, a Melvin is when you do a wedgie from the front, whereas a wedgie is from the back. 
but Marcy had done it from the back. So I don't know why she used the word Melvin when it wasn't really Melvin. I never knew the difference. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what it was either. But yeah, in season seven, I started doing the show notes. Mm -hmm. I started doing the research with Annabelle. So, you know, when they said a Melvin, I was like, what's a Melvin? So I had to look it up. And when I looked it up, I was like, oh, that's what it is. But it's like, but she didn't do a Melvin on the show. That didn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, so now, after Al outs Jefferson, he wants to know if there's any more Mrs. Doubtfires <laughs> in the uh, group. And he's shown otherwise, and that's when we see the dubbing. Now that we've weeded one traitor out of the ranks, let's see if we have any more Mrs. Doubtfires here. <laughs> You're a woman. And you're a comet. I love this scene. You know me, man. When we see that dummy fly across the street, you know I'm cracking up. <laughs> that was funny. Oh, you forgot about the part where Jefferson has to give the, the baby doll back to the little girl? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was funny. So the little girl kicks out. She, yeah, that's right. She does kick him. Poor guy. He can't get a break. He gets beat up in, like, within two minutes, huh? <laughs> two different times. Yep. So Mrs. Doubtfire was a 1993 American comedy drama film directed by Chris Columbus. And it stars Robin Williams with Sally Field, Pierce Brosnan, Harvey Firestein, and Robert Prosky. It follows a recently divorced actor who dresses up as a female housekeeper to be able to interact with his children. Yep. So that was very relevant, you know, and that was a huge hit, Mrs. Doubtfire. I think that movie came out the Christmas of 93. Well, no, you said, what, what, what was the air date of this? This is October of 94. Okay, no, it came out... Yeah, Christmas of 93. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying it's like, you know, it's still, it was so popular. I mean, yeah. I think still not even a year later, it's exactly. not even a full year later, it's still there. Yeah. It, it's my my personal favorite uh, Robin Williams movie. It's I, hilarious. I he was absolutely brilliant in that film. It was it's so just, funny. It was. There's another reference to Psalm 23. I mean, this seems to have been very popular with Married with Children. For some reason, we encountered that twice in uh, season eight. So here we are in season nine. You know, they're still uh, quoting the Bible. Mm. So now we have the introduction of one of Mary with Children's favorite characters just when she says her name. Lactathon is still going strong. But yet, Mr. Bundy, you seem strangely unmoved. Why so? Well, uh, uh me round up. <laughs> First of all, I know that I'm on the side of good. And secondly, I, uh, I, I need the overtime. <laughs> Nonetheless, I can see that this protest has completely paralyzed your business. I can see you've never shopped in the store before. <laughs> Be that as it may, you can't let this go on forever. What do you plan to do? Well, all I can say is Al Bundy never says die. Well, he, he says die, he just, just never does. 
Now, every time she says her name, the first time she says her name, the audience busts out laughing. Always. Yeah. And the question is, why? Because I think, okay, I, 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 can, I have an answer to this. <laughs> I think a lot of news reporters have those really long names. Now, mind you, it's like she's speaking like very like proper English. But when she says her name, she's saying it as if, if, she, if she was saying it in Spanish. Right. You know, instead of saying this is Miranda Veracruz de la Hoya Cardinal, this is Miranda Veracruz de la Hoya Cardinal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and this is great. I mean, and so this is, so she's played by Teresa Parente, who was born in the Boogie Down Bronx. Uh, so she's known for Married with Children, a couple of other sitcoms, A Third Rock from the Sun. One of the things I know about her is she's really into 40s music. She's like in a, I guess, what's the genre of music pr uh, prior to doo-wop? Swing music? Swing music. They would sing like, you know, the, he's the boogie woogie bugle boy of Company B, like that type of music from the 40s. Yeah. So I know that in the, after the run of the show over the last like 20 years or so, that's one of the things that she does. So she's a great singer. Hmm. And, uh, I think like to Married with Children fans, it's like that's, she is known as Miranda. <laughs> and... This is her first appearance, and she was in a total of nine appearances through, from starting from now through season 11. Wow. Yeah, season 11. Uh, it's a thing we don't get more of her, but you know what you're saying about the audience laughing so much when she says her name? I think part of it is the fact that she says her name so quickly. It's so fast. It's just like she snaps into it and says it so fast. Mm -hmm. and if she, she were to say, this is Miranda Vera Cruz de La Hoya Cardinal. That doesn't sound funny. <laughs> but when she snaps and says it all in a second and a half, <laughs> you know what I mean? It just sounds funny. <laughs> Alyssa, you're from California. Now, one thing I'll say about her name is her name is, I believe, the amalgamation of a bunch of different places in California. Um, there's a Miranda, California. There's a Vera Cruz. There's a De La Hoya, right? I think so. Uh, La, there's La Jolla. La Jolla. It's pronounced La Jolla. Yeah. Uh, Veracruz sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. That's down, uh, I think, south of the uh, San Francisco Bay Area. I've been there. I've been to Veracruz. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's a cardinal. Yeah. So I think that's where they got it from. Uh, <laughs> so she says, you know, where the so-called Chicago Lactathon is still going strong. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and Al says, it's like, well, it looks like this protest has paralyzed your business. He says, well, I take it you've never shopped in here before. That was so funny. <laughs> I, it was just so deadpan. It was such a, such a funny delivery. And he also says, Miranda. <laughs> yeah, mi, mi, Miranda, Miranda, right? <laughs> uh, if you just bring your cameras this way, you will see the master at work. Now, Marcy... <laughs> Before I unleash my ultimate weapon, I'm going to be gracious and give you and your milk duds there a, a chance to hoof it on out of here. What do you say? No way, old smeller. We have drawn our line in the sand, and we shall not be moved. Yeah! Fine. If you want an all-out war, you've got one. <laughs> no, ma'am! Heavyweight Division Company, halt! Present 
beer bellies. <laughs> so now we have a joke. It says, before I unleash my ultimate weapons, I'm going to be gracious and give you and your milk duds their chance to hoof it on out of <laughs> so milk duds are a caramel ball covered with a confectionery chocolate coating made from cocoa and vegetable oil. They're manufactured by the Hershey Company and sold in yellowish-orange box. I'm never really a fan of milk duds. Oh, they're so good. <laughs> I love milk duds. My favorite candy. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. I never think of, you know, breastfeeding. <laughs> that's funny (laughs) what what's your verdict on it chris i I like milk duds i mean (laughs) (laughs) almost all right marcy makes a reference to old smeller (laughs) old smeller is a reference to old yeller which is a 1957 uh, drama film produced by walt disney it stars Tommy Kirk, Dorothy McGuire, Fess Parker, and Beverly Washburn. It's about a dog, a boy and a stray dog in post-Civil War Texas. I remember seeing those when I was a kid on those independent television stations. They'd be playing like old movies from the 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. So I, I vaguely remember it because I remember like you would still see reruns of Lassie in the early 80s. Yes, I remember that too. Yeah, the area where I lived, maybe that. But I, Chris, you probably don't remember this, right? Maybe a little too young for that. It was on Saturday mornings. About Old Yeller or, or Lassie? Lassie. Uh, I see. I mean, I, I just very vaguely. I mean, I, I remember seeing Lassie at some point in my early in my childhood. Same with Old Yeller. I mean, I, I've seen that movie, but probably not in you know twenty five years or more. But. It's amazing what, you know, one line, how funny one line can be. When Marcy says, old smeller, I laugh at that pretty hard. (laughs) Old smeller. (laughs) In comes Al's secret weapon, the no-man heavyweight division. (laughs) Now, this episode and the subsequent episode that we're going to review next week is, again, like we said at the beginning, this is all very groundbreaking. It's all foundational for the rest, for the third act. We were introduced to No Ma'am in Season 8 in a Jerry Springer episode. And then there was a very small portion of the Iron Ed Haynes episode. So that was episode 23 of last season. So now we have Griff. In this episode, we have Griff. We have No Man. We have Miranda. And in the next episode, we get introduced to Gary. Once all those elements are together, we now have the entire third act of the Married with Children television show. Yep. Yep, that's all of them. Bob Rooney. Who's the other ones? Like, there, there was, there was, there was one person that was missing from the No Man, No Man group. Uh, I, Ike. Yes. Yeah, we don't see Ike. We'll see Ike soon, but I mean, in terms of like the group. Now, Bob Rooney is on this episode, although mm-hmm. he doesn't speak. Right. But we do see him. So now the boys boogie down to Maniac by Michael Cimbello from Flashdance. <laughs> It's time for no man to take a little break in the Jiggly Room. I'm the DJ, and I'm going to play a little bit of music that was on this week's episode of Marry With Children. Boogie down! We're dancing. 
Hell, that ain't dancing. This is dancing. <laughs> But, you know, it's she's a maniac, not he's a maniac, right? <laughs> it's she's a maniac. Yeah, so I was wondering why, why they chose that one. Because it's a dancing <laughs> song, probably, and they're dancing. Yeah, I definitely wanted them to cover up. When I, once they took those shirts off, I was like, oh, man. <laughs> I, I, how did they cast that guy on the left, the really big guy? Oh, it's wow. Sort of, sort of like when they cast fat women and they tell the women, hey, you got to come on the show and be made fun of for being fat. I mean, this guy, obviously, you know, we, we never see him in any other episodes. He's yeah. obviously here for one reason, and that's because he's enormous. <laughs> and they wanted, it, they wanted it to be as gross and nasty as possible when he's dancing, you know. It's like, how did they cast that guy? Well, we need to see that guy who will come on and <laughs> take his shirt off, <laughs> you know. <laughs> he looked almost like a sumo wrestler, right? He did. Yeah, he did. Like a I mean, that guy was enormous, man. <laughs> yeah. Now, in the credits, I'm wondering if this is David John Poindexter. That's what I'm not sure of. I don't know. <laughs> the part that kills me, though, man, is when Griff walks out of the out of the back with that girl, and he goes, "What the hell is going on out here?" <laughs> dancing like that ain't dancing. This is dancing. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. So now we cut back to. Bud and Kelly on the couch. Bud, wake up. Oh, Latoya. <laughs> Did you foresee our love in advance? Bud, wake up. You were dreaming again. Was it the Judds? No, the Jacksons. It wasn't Tito, was it? I'm afraid so. But he was just um, teaching me how to dance. Oh, who cares? Look, my commercial's coming on for Khalil's false iron point. Kelly for we now bring you this important news bulletin. Just my luck. Every time I get a commercial, some stupid war breaks out in some stupid country I can't even pronounce. That could be France. I said country. shoe store because, quite frankly, I have a mortgage to pay. It's really anyone's guess how this one will turn out. But my guess is, since it's 4 a.m., you're either watching Gilligan's Island or you're on it. Another late-breaking story, an unidentified woman waiting for her husband was chased from the train station by a gang of people at 3 a.m. this morning. But then again, this is Chicago, so that's not really news. Back to you, Miranda. What kind of woman would hang out at the train station at 3 o'clock in the morning? Hi, kids. I'm home. So, where's your father? 
This better be good. Oh, it is. So they're watching TV at what, four o'clock in the morning? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Kelly's commercial for Khalil's gets interrupted. And Bud is dreaming about LaToya Jackson. <laughs> Another <laughs> 90s. <laughs> so LaToya is one of, you know, the, the Jackson uh, children. She's famous in her own right as a pop singer. She uh, posed in Playboy. Mm -hmm. There was a joke that was going around for a long time that LaToya and Michael were the same person. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of this one. I'd never had heard that before. Yeah, there was like a joke. It's like, you know, of the Jacksons, like you never saw LaToya and Michael together. So they were, it was the same person. It's like, you know, they just like were dressing differently. I don't know. They look but like it, each other for sure. Yeah. But that was, uh, I mean, it's a silly uh, thing. But what I thought was funny was it's like, <laughs> Bud goes, was it the Judds? <laughs> I says, no, it was the Jacksons. It wasn't Tito, was it? Yeah. Now, now Chris and I, we reviewed uh, Proud to Be Your Bud in season eight, which was the third episode. It was actually, Chris, our first episode together. And uh, you remember uh, when uh, Bud goes into the basement, he has the all the outfits like Joey Buttafuoco, Butterachi. One of them was Tito Bundy. <laughs> yeah, sure was. Pretty funny. Yeah. So I, I, and I don't know what the significance is. Like, what was so funny about Tito Jackson? But for some reason, the, you know, what the Married with Children writers, you know, wanted to talk about. Well, I remember Latoya Jackson. Uh, if I, if I'm not mistaken, she was one of the Psychic Friends Network. She was on the Psychic Friends Network. She was okay. Yeah, yeah, that's, that sounds like her. Yep. Yeah, because that, and that's what I remember from my from the '90s was the Psychic Friends Network. Those commercials were always on. Uh, what's her name? Dionne Warwick. Yeah, no, she was the the queen of it. But yeah, you're right. I think so. She was either that or she was an infomercial person. She did an infomercial. Yeah. Yeah, when they make mention of the Judds, so there's Naomi Judd, who's the mom. Mm -hmm. There's Wyona Judd and Ashley Judd, the two sisters. So those are the Judds. Uh, then they take a pot shot at France. <laughs> they always do. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Kelly says, every time I get a commercial, some stupid warp breaks out in some stupid country I can't even pronounce. <laughs> but says, that could be France. And she says, I said country. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what I always say? I, I want to talk to the French person that likes married with children. <laughs> I want to talk to that person. It's like, I can't imagine there's too many French that like the show, but I'm sure there's someone out there from France that likes it. I want to talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want to do. Yeah. You know, and I love, you know, Teresa Parente's Miranda. She's great. You know, she she says, this is me. I'm the Veracruz de la Hoya Cardinal. Still here at Gary's shoe store because, quite frankly, I have a mortgage to pay. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever watched, like, the morning news? And it's like... The reporter has to do like this fluff piece and it's like, you know, you have to look like you're really, it's like five o'clock in the morning. You have to like, ha like be like in full makeup, all cheery. And it's like, you know, you, you have to do this interview with like some idiot and it's like, you have to like make it look, you know, like look like you're happy and you're really interested in all that. It's like, I'm just here. I just have a mortgage to pay like everybody else. Like, let me do my job. <laughs> you got to move huge 
She says, but my guess is since it's 4 a.m., you're either watching Gilligan's Island or you're on it. (laughs) (laughs) Another reference to the great Gilligan's Island. Yep. So now we have the big reveal and Peg returns back to Jeopardy Lane and she crashes through the front door. (laughs) Yep, and the audience was wild. I loved it. Yep. So it's a stunt double who comes through the door. And this is Annabelle's note. I was just going to say, I always look to see if when there's something like that, to, to see if it's the actor, if it's the stunt double. You know, I'll slow it down to, you know, a fifth feet or whatever. That's definitely not Katie Seagal. <laughs> Somebody with a really big wig. Yeah. <laughs> so Peg asks, so where's your father? This better be good. You know, they point to the television. <laughs> and you have the two competing protesters, right? <laughs> you know, one, two, three, four, we will breastfeed in your store. And then you have the, the maniac song going on in the background. Yep. Now, on the screen comes up something that I talk about every episode is actually how I close the episode. And it says, to be continued, same Bundy time, same Bundy channel. <laughs> and that comes from the 1960s Batman series. I know Alex likes that. Mm-hmm. I remember reading that and, you know, like I, always in my head, it was like same Bundy time, same Bundy channel. So in season seven, I was a guest host. And as we were signing off, it sort of came to my head, like the specific episode. And I was like, oh, yeah, same Bundy time, same Bundy channel. So I've always used that as my sign off since we've been doing these. So this is where it comes from. And I don't think we ever see this again. I don't think we do. Now, another thing I actually wanted to talk about uh, about season nine which is very interesting, is that season nine has three two-parters. Right. So, you know, we're reviewing Business Sucks. There's I Want My Psycho Dad. Oh, that's a good one. Part one and part two. And then Ship Happens, part one and part two. So Another good one, yeah. Another thing about season nine is that it's also when Married with Children hit their 200th episode. So there was still really great writing. No, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to channels and search up Married with Children podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Okay, and we're back. So, Alyssa, mm-hmm. how many beer bellies do you rate this episode? I'll give it four beer bellies. I like the, I think there were some really funny lines in this episode. I liked, um, uh, obviously, all the appearances of Griff. Miranda Veracruz de la Hora Carnal. I can't even do it. <laughs> and just all the 90s references. It really is. You said it earlier. It's like a time capsule. It really is like a t- when I was watching this, I hadn't seen it in years. And I just was getting I was like so happy about all the 90s references because I watched these when they were live, you know, I'm mean, not live, but you know what I mean? When they were when they first aired. So it was just really nice to see that. And that's that's why I'm I'm giving it a four, I think. <laughs> okay. Now, you know, the one thing I I wanted to ask you again, I know we touched on it earlier. So, you know, you watched it in its first run. Mm -hmm. You were 
teenager at the time, right? Yeah, so I, I was born the same year you were. So we were, uh, I don't know, 15. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, so my, my question is, you know, watching it now as an adult and as a mom. So, I mean, this is an episode that's uh, dedicated to breastfeeding, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, how how do you view the episode now as a you know as a breast as someone who is a breastfeeding mom? Like, is the humor funnier because you've experienced it? Like, you know, how do you rate viewing it today versus when you viewed it as a teenager? Okay. Well, I. Th- think that we talked about it already that it's not even a it's not even an issue anymore this day and age you know and I think it's funny that it was such a big issue back in 94 but when I but like you know I hadn't really had any experience back then I mean, it was I was in high school <laughs> but um I do remember that oh my gosh you know that that woman you know uh whipped out whipped out her boob like what the heck she doing and i remember back in that day when people would breastfeed in restaurants it really grossed people out that was like the worst thing you could do was breastfeed in a restaurant so for for it to happen in al's shoe store it's not too bad it could have been a lot worse (laughs) i like that line he says he says you know well if you're gonna feed him can you put a little bit on for me yeah that was was, (laughs) there's always jokes about how starving he is all the time it's so funny you know, I have a I have a funny story uh, around this time period. I had a let me see. My cousin was about two, but a little earlier, around 1992, 1993. There's a my extended family had gone to on vacation in the Poconos, and uh, my aunt who had given birth to my to my cousin who was a baby at the time. You know, she was a baby, obviously. Uh, she was pumping. And she pumped one night and she put the, her breast milk in the fridge. <laughs> and the next morning, you know, one of my uh, uh, relatives' relatives was looking for milk for his coffee, you know, so <laughs> he made coffee and, you know, <laughs> used the <laughs> breast milk. You know? And, like, you know, my aunt was like, hey, like, I pumped that. Like, I was like, I pumped last night. Where is it? It's like, it's like oh, it's like, that's what that was. Like, oh, coffee tasted good this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say um i did breastfeed my son for the first like two months he he had breast milk and i'm telling you he has never had a cold or been sick and he's almost two years old so i definitely think breastfeeding is very beneficial there's my little psa <laughs> okay well may, maybe al could have benefited from some of that breast milk yeah, right? maybe, maybe uh, <laughs> that, that woman could have helped him out <laughs> that's funny <laughs> so uh chris uh, how many beer bellies do you give this episode <laughs> well Luigi, i actually love this episode despite what i said earlier and and i i stand by what i said that i do think this episode as far as airability probably aged worse than any other episode in the series but despite that i love this episode I, I saw this episode live of course i was about nine years old at the time, so I just laughed at the spectacle and the craziness of everything going on in the shoe store, and I loved Miranda. You know, this is a transitional episode. You get to see Miranda for the first time. Uh, this is the first time we ever see Alan Griff together. No Man is now front and center from this point forward in the series. Um, I absolutely love this series. It was great to have uh, Katie Seagal back. You know, she makes her grand entrance there at the end. I love this episode. I'm going to give it 4.5 beer bellies out of 5. Very good. 
you know, and usually on two-parters, you know, Alex and crew would rate both two-parters as a single episode. Uh, I didn't want to do it for this one. And the reason being that the two episodes, like when we review the second one, I mean, they are very separate and distinct. It's not like one... There's there is a plot line which is an overarching theme, but they are they could very well be standalones. Mm. So that's why I think you know we wanted to get uh, do our ratings for each of them. But I am going to rate this episode for beer bellies as well. I I really like the episode. I think it's very funny. It has its funny moments. Traditionally, I don't like the slapstick on this show as much. Chris, as you saw in season eight, usually like I'm a three and a half kind of guy for a lot of episodes. <laughs> but this one really makes me laugh out loud. And taking aside like continuity, I think like the A plot, the B plot, they were there. It was funny. I wasn't as thrilled with like some of those train scenes. No, those you know, were just kind like, of filler to me. Yeah. Like those, that was filler for Katie Seagal. Yeah. Um, I didn't think that, I mean, again, they could have been in any episode. Yep. Like, you know, in other words, it wasn't really germane to it. It's just sort of that she reappears. And, you know, when Katie Seagal comes through that door, the audience reaction, it's a really big applause because they haven't seen her. Right. And, you know, in those four, in those four or five episodes, it's the first one for season nine. So I can understand why they did it or maybe even why they set it up that way just to get her into the scene. But I just, um, that's one of the reasons why I can't give it a five, but uh, the laugh out loud pieces of um, Al just getting tortured by these women. <laughs> it's like, he just wants to get a break <laughs> and they come marching in and it's like, no, we will breastfeed in your store. <laughs> you know, the no ma'am, I mean, Miranda, you know, really that the real introduction to the Griff character, you know, and his interaction with Al, I think that's all great stuff. So that's why I give it a four. All right, so next week on the Married with Children podcast, the three of us will be back as we review Business Still Sucks. <laughs> Alan No Man decides to hold a counter-protest in the favor of banning breastfeeding from the shoe store. We also meet Al's boss, Gary, for the first time. This is going to be a big episode. So thank you all. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. To be continued. Same Bundy time, same Bundy channel. Thank you, guys. Bye.